Hey, this is Jesse Parker. And I'm Tommy Niblack. And we would like to formally welcome you to episode one of The The Faith Faith Chair. Where we ask questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. So we would like to thank you for joining us as we introduce ourselves on our first ever episode of The Faith Chair. All right, y'all. This is it. Welcome to The Chair. My name is Tommy Niblack. Jesse Parker. And you are you have been invited to our conversation while Jesse is getting his hair cut. <laughs> Barbershop Conversations. Barbershop Conversations. They're the best. And um, and this is something that have has been in the works for a minute. Um, Jesse Jesse will come over, get his hair cut, and we'll get into some crazy deep conversations that um, uh, I know I walk away uh, having been challenged and having learned something that I hadn't known before and um, man I always feel like man people should be hearing this yeah. Some, somebody should, should hear this and I was actually talking about this last year like I told you with uh, our mutual friend uh, John T and uh, the fact that your wife actually was like Pushing you to do it, pushing you to do it. I'm so I'm I'm grateful because now people get to be a part of these conversations and hopefully walk away like I did, um, challenged and um, and having grown because of it. So, um, so what 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 are we gonna do today? Um, well, I mean, we're just gonna. Uh, I want to let you guys know a little bit about who we are and, and kind of the. The thought process bef- behind this idea of the chair, um, you know, if you want me to start, I guess I'll uh, sure. kick it off. Just so people, yeah, just so people know who who we are. Um, you know, I uh, I'm a Northwest boy, born and raised, and uh, you know, grew up in church. Um, had a lot of different kinds of faith experiences. Grew up going to Catholic church as a kid. Um, on Sundays with my dad and, you know, non-denominational local little community church with my mom on, on Wait, so did you, get, did you go through the whole... Yep. I, right about the time when we stopped going to Catholic Church was right after my sister and I took First Communion. That's what it is, First Communion. Yeah, so we went through the whole training class and all that kind of stuff and, um, you know, grew up, grew up going to this same local community church and went through some stuff with leadership there and... You know, met my wife, got married, moved to a, a church that was very Pentecostal and charismatic. And, you know, God called me out of being, you know, training to be a lawyer to, to pursuing ministry. And yeah, we, we ended up getting called to a free Methodist church. Hmm. Um, was going through ordination with them. And, and uh, the church went through some shifts and some changes. And we ended up now at a, another church in, in Renton. So, like had a lot of different kinds of faith experiences that have challenged me in, in my thinking. Um, and I, I'm thankful for that because I haven't been stuck in one, one view, one mm. doctrinal tradition, which has forced me to really like every time we shift to a different church, to a different ministry um, background, it causes me to have to reexamine the things I've been taught and the, wow the assumptions that I've had about God and about faith and about Christianity 
Um, and at the end of the day, you realize like man's teaching is fallible. And so yeah. I need to go and I need to be paying attention to what the scripture says. And um, so that's kind of like, that's where, where I am today. And, and what sparks a lot of our conversations is like, you know, our experiences in church, good and bad. And, and like, is this how it's supposed to be? Is yeah. it like, is there something more to this? What, you know, what's the, what's the misunderstandings, the misconceptions, the way things are misconstrued, you know, in terms of who God is and who we are and, and how we live this life of faith and how we're supposed to impact our world. And, um, I mean, we both came to the mutual realization that these were some conversations that we felt like are valuable. Yeah. Um, and what better setting to have them than than the barbershop the barbershop chair you know yo so let me ask what what were some of the things that you questioned starting with um like your first religious experiences in the catholic church and then to the free methodist and then to where you are now like what like at each stage there had to have been something that you were like okay I see where they got that, but that can't be who God is. I see where they got that, but that can't be who God. Is. Yeah, you know what you I'm know, saying. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna not go into too much detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, we're gonna get into a lot of that's really what what the episodes upcoming are gonna be about is yeah. a lot of those those questions and looking at you know how that plays out. What I will say is uh, per, perhaps the most valuable thing that I learned in those transitions was. Uh, when we were going through ordination training with the Free Methodist Church, uh, the Methodist Church comes uh, was kind of founded from the teachings and leadership of a man named John Wesley. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and part of his uh, teaching centered around what they call the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which is these four aspects of how he uh, examined faith and scripture to create doctrine and theology. And... I think the thing that was most uh, powerful for me was that he incorporated something that a lot of other people don't and didn't in the time, which was experience. And so his understanding your, your was... Your personal experience. Yeah, your was, personal experience. Yeah. And the idea was, like, the Bible, of course, is always the ultimate authority. But um, the other things that most people include in that is, like, church tradition, you know. And and what he came to realize, he was a student of many different uh aspects of Christianity um, so, you know, so he studied with Catholic priests and Orthodox priests and wow. Protestants and um, just understanding all their traditions and uh, what he came to realize was one of the best ways that we can test and prove the church traditions and whether or not they're really scriptural is do they actually play out in our life Wow. and so I think to your question is every time I had a transition I was faced with some aspect of faith that didn't that that led me to experiences that didn't jive with things I had been taught. Got you. And and when we're faced with that, we have one of two options: either the Bible is not true and God's a liar, mm-hmm. or man's teaching about what those scriptures and that word means is not true. Right. And if you're a person of faith, you know, for me, having had you know sufficient personal experiences with God to where my belief in Him as God um, and as perfect is not going to be shaken, then I have to shake my theology and my doctrine. Yeah. And really look at the scripture and say, okay, 
uh, probably the best experience would be, you know, coming out of a Pentecostal church and the whole teaching about, you know, healing. And, and then, right. you know, I mean, we'll get into this later, but yeah. there was a prominent pastor locally who, who died of, of cancer. And that really forced me to face the fact that what I was being taught, that God heals everyone and just requires faith and heals everyone and prayer every time. and belief. Yeah, it heals everyone every time was simply false because here's this pastor who probably had hundreds of thousands of believers praying for him, but he still died. Yeah. And so I had to I had to shake that theology and that doctrine and realize that it wasn't it wasn't fully scriptural. Right. And begin to study it for myself and redefine. Um, and I think that's where I was talking with a young man who just joined our church yesterday over some coffee and I think that's where uh, Christians uh, struggle and fail in church today is because we we're taught to take our pastor's word um, as law yeah. and not to question it. But then what happens is we go out and we live real life and we get faced with situations and circumstances that challenge those beliefs. Yeah. And because we are so blind to follow men as if they're infallible, we then begin to question God. So was that your, So was that your pretty much turning point? Was the pastor that passed away? Yeah, that that really was the catalyst. That was the catalyst for me to really begin to examine everything I had been taught, everything I had assumed, and really begin to pursue like biblical truth for myself. Yeah, and and that next season of transitioning into the training from the Free Methodist Church. And being taught this this Wesleyan quadrilateral thing, and recognizing that it was okay for me to include my own experience in my determination of what was true, um, was really empowering. Because then I could say, you know, I could look at a certain thing that I've been taught that sounds good, it looks good, I understand the scriptural basis for it, yeah. and yet I don't see God doing that, working that way in my life or the lives of other people that I know. Yeah. And so let me begin to examine that thought. Let me begin to examine that doctrine and say, are we interpreting scripture correctly? Are we, are we, you know, so-called sniping verses? Are we, are we using proper, you know, exegesis and right. context? Are we understanding the Greek and the Hebrew? You know, are we, are well, we putting too much weight on church tradition? Are we ignoring right. church tradition? Like, they, all of that can play into these misunderstandings and these teachings that come from, like, a desire to make, you know, faith uh, attractive. And, yeah. you know, it's not like it comes from people. A bad place. Yeah, it doesn't. Look, yeah, it's not like people are like trying to misrepresent God, but at the same time, like we have a tendency as human beings to want to make things comfortable, and we want right. to make things make sense, and we want to understand things. We think that we should be able to understand things, and so uh, stuff can get twisted. And I was talking with this young man because he's coming. He's coming out of college, uh, just got married, and he's struggling with his faith. Grew mm-hmm. up in the church, and yet now that he's out living his life. Stuff that he thought was true yep. is crumbling around him. Yep. And to me, that's the real danger when the when we as the church, as church leaders, as pastors, um, as mentors, are not teaching the true biblical understanding of God. Is that we set people up to have expectations, and then what happens when God doesn't meet them because that was never what He actually said. Yeah. Or that's not actually what He promised. Or that's not actually how He works in the world. Because then we're setting people up to doubt God. Right. And to struggle in their faith. 
Why do you think, and I know I, I don't want to jump the episodes. <laughs> I'm trying, trying to keep it real general. Uh, right. Like. <laughs> but uh, because when, when you said exegesis, um, uh, and, and that's basically, for those of you that don't know, what we are reading in Scripture are translations. But to exegete and to go further is to get the transliteration, really, of what the Scripture literally is saying. Because um, a lot of times we'll read it and we'll just uh, see what we read and think that that's what is meant um, by what is there on, ta- on 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 the pages. When to the people who were originally hearing it, they weren't hearing it like we are because their experience was different. They were understanding what the what the um, orator was saying, um, but for us. It sounds like, oh, that's what I say every day to my to my boys, and that's not yeah. what what it was. So when we see something like, um, ask anything and I'll give it to you, we're like, great, I'll ask for anything. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? So um, are those some of the things that, uh, besides the healing, that sent you down that road of, I got to find out what this stuff actually means and help other people to understand that as well. Like, when, when did that actually change? Why was it, I know it changed for you, but when did it become, I want to help other people understand that? Um, I, I, think that's, I think that's at the core of the nature of kind of like what God has called me to. Like, um, it's always been something that's been in my heart. I'm a teacher. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a preacher by the gift of the Holy Spirit. I always, I tell my church all the time, I'm like, look, I'm an introvert. You need to understand this because the, <laughs> what you see and what you get, like on the platform on a Sunday, don't expect that from me, like one on one in person right. or even out in the lobby. Like, this not this is not my natural personality. Right. This isn't my choice to stand in front of people. Um, it's still very intimidating and challenging for me in my personality. But I've always been someone who likes to to teach and to break down things that are complicated and make them understandable for people. Yeah. Um, that's always been like a huge, I, you know, I was a coach for sports. I was a coach and a tutor in schools. Like, you know, uh, it's always just been a part of who I am. Where'd you coach? Uh, I coach soccer. Oh, dope. Yeah. And uh, coach mock trial at, at my high school, the program that really, I, I credit with kind of training, training trial. me how to, to, to speak in front of yep. people. Like, you know, a lot of it's the Holy Spirit, but he, God knew and he put me through some training as well to prepare me for what I didn't realize was my life path. Right. But, you know, so that's really just been always at the core of what I wanted to do is to help people understand. Because if you don't have an understanding of something as core as faith, then how can you live your best life? Like, yeah. how can you live the life that God really called you to? And I always tell, like, people were like, you know, what's your passion? Well, my passion is to help people find out. And live out who yeah. God has called them to be. Yeah. But that requires a foundation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that gets missed sometimes. It's like, it's all well and good to like discover what God's purpose is for your life and to run after it. But if you don't have a foundation, if you're building on something that's shaky, then, then stuff is going to start to fall apart when challenging situations and circumstances come yeah. up. And so because it's so important for me, for people to succeed in their walk of faith, it became very important for me that people have a very solid foundation. Mm. And that drove me to, to, well, let me study this foundation and let me 
Let me ask the hard questions. Let me ask the unpopular questions. And look, y'all, this podcast is not going to be comfortable. No. Me and Tommy talked about it. We're like, we're, we have to be okay with the fact that we're going to put ourselves out there. Yeah. With some thoughts and ideas that probably aren't going to be mainstream. They're going to challenge some people. They're going to challenge some some sacred cows, like we like to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, some belief systems that many of us have lived and been taught and walked in for years maybe even decades of our life in the church um but you know i uh in the intro to the book i'm writing i put it like this i think that most of us in our own walks of faith and when we look around at our church and the church and the state of our world we recognize something's not quite right right whether we it's not adding up yeah whether we press into that or whether we hide that emotion I really believe that anyone who is honestly trying to walk a walk of faith with God recognizes that there's something more to this like there should be a, a greater impact there should be a a greater change in our personal lives there should be the church should look different sound different be different when I'm reading scripture and I'm looking at the church as a whole like you can't always put your finger on it, uh-huh. but you you can sense that there's something not quite right about it. And most of us probably just throw our hands up and say, oh, well, I don't know what to do about that. And I think a lot of the journey of this podcast that we're really inviting you guys on is to to take the courageous step of let's face those things. Let's yeah. ask those questions. Let's find the truth. Um, so that we can be a part of catalyzing our own faith and the faith of those around us. And, you know, the goal would be the church as a whole to really be where we're supposed to be in the middle of this culture and society that has become so anti-God. And that is actually longing for somebody to actually stand up like the New Testament says, like Paul says, a creation is waiting for those have, that have been grafted in to come to the realization of what they actually have and who they actually are. Yeah. Um, did you, who did you talk to before this? Like, did you get opposition bringing these questions up, bringing these thoughts up with any pastors or other leaders that, you know, that you've, uh, that, that you've known along the way? Like, did anybody, like, try to stop you from thinking like that I mean not not directly I mean I mean obviously the you know the culture of you know the the very Pentecostal church that we were at uh, didn't encourage you to ask these questions mm-hmm. um, and once we begin to ask those questions you know it definitely causes us to not necessarily fit in the inner circle like we had been yeah um, but I mean no direct you know, because direct opposition will require an admission that you're that you're teaching and doing what we're saying that you're teaching and doing. Right. Um, so it was never that that overt, and it's always kind of been like a you move to the next season and you begin to have you know hindsight's twenty twenty. You begin to have revelations about what, the past season. So yeah. at that point, you've already moved on from that leadership. And, you know, we've been, we've been really blessed in the last couple of seasons to have pastors who really encouraged us, who were of kind of the same heart and mindset of, like, yeah, let's, like, we see that. At the same time, like, let's be good leaders. We can't just blow the whole system up. Right. But, like, let's figure out how we can begin to make that shift and to 
to teach people a different way, a new way, to begin to ask those hard questions in terms of uh, what we preach and uh, the Bible studies that we do and the discipleship that we do um, to kind of bring some of this revelation. And so, you know, that's kind of been our experience. So it's like, you know, we haven't had any like direct opposition. Um, I know that we probably tick people off. Yeah. And I, uh, I, you know, I'll post a lot of these thoughts and ideas sometimes on Facebook and stuff. And, you know, what kind of responses do you get from people? I know some of the responses that I get. What kind of responses do you get? And do you ever respond to some of the negative ones? Um, you know, maybe thanks to my wife. Um, I'm usually a little bit more diplomatic yeah. on Facebook. Like she'll be like, she'll look at something about the post, like, honey, like, man, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't post that. Like, tone it back, right? And again, it's like, there's truth to be had, but there's also this idea in scripture, which, you know, again, we can't pick and choose. We can't say, oh, this needs to change because it's biblical, so let me blow the system up. But at the same yeah. time, the Bible also calls us to. You know, passionately defend the unity of the brethren. Mm-hmm. So try at peace with yeah. oh, as much as lies within you. Yeah, live at peace. Yeah. yeah, and and let me not do things the way the enemy does, mm-hmm. and 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 draw lines, and force people to pick sides, as if we're not all brothers and sisters, right? right? And so you know, when I'm on social media, I tend to try to to couch things in a non-confrontational manner, yeah. and I just hope that people who are in the middle of those misconceptions um, that that serves as a seed, a light bulb moment maybe. And so typically I don't get like negative responses. I think people who have negative responses just typically don't post or don't comment on it. Um, I guess I'm just lucky that way. Um, I've also learned not to get too deep into um, debate with people about it because um, there's usually no point if someone's emotionally invested enough in their way of thinking to get into conflict with you about it, yeah, um, then they're probably just not ready to hear it. But Did you, have you said you ever it. Had, have you ever had one of those? Because uh, I've, had, I've had a few times, and, and I'm thankful that, that they were people with strong enough uh, biblical understanding and leadership to, to do it like via inbox. Right. Yeah. And not and up on the thread, yeah. which is right. the same thing that I do. Like uh, you know, y- you guys all know. You type out a whole response, and you're like, delete. Let me delete this. Like, this is and then you start. And it always. I always ask the question, like, am I willing to privately message this person about yeah. this? And if I'm not, like, I'm not going to put it out there, um, typically. And so I'll. I'm actually. It's funny. I'm more likely to comment on posts by people who I know are non-believers than on incorrect or controversial stuff from, yeah. from believers. So um, I guess in that way I've kind of avoided conflict. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, from writing the book to doing this podcast, like, I'm like, okay, God's pushing me and both of us to put ourselves out there a little bit yeah. more publicly with this stuff. And so, you know, we're anticipating that, there, you know, there could be blowback with that, but... Absolutely. You know, again, it's, to me, it's worth it as long as we, you know, are pursuing truth and not pursuing correcting people. Right. Uh, I like how Andy Stanley said it once. Our job is to make a difference, not make a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you, you, you push people away when you're trying to make a point. 
But when you're trying to make a difference, when you want to make a difference, when the core of what you're doing is, I just want to make a difference, then you're going to have a heart of understanding and you're going to want to journey with people who are having a hard time understanding what you, what's been revealed to you. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like, uh, for me, a lot of trial, a lot of trial and error uh, are, are what brought me to the place that I am now as far as um, I got to keep finding out what it is, uh, who it is God has called me to be and who it is he actually really is. And not, is he that person that uh, I was taught all these years as a kid and growing up as an adult? Um, yeah, that's been kind of crazy. Yeah, so uh, or would you uh, let people know a little bit about uh, who you are? What's your background? From well, coast to coast. <laughs> from, yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, I am... And let me just say, the reason why I'm we are videoing this is because, like I said, I'm cutting his hair. And uh, I am not trying to solicit clients. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm cutting Jesse's hair. I'm not cutting everybody's hair. So, um... Uh, that's one of the reasons why this is not being videoed. But uh, anyway, uh, my name is, like I said, Tommy Niblack, and uh, I'm a PK. Um, my, my father's dad, who I actually found, I found this out at my father's funeral about five years, um, six years ago now. Found this out at my dad's funeral. Uh, that my father's father, who I never met, uh, was also a pastor. And then uh, my dad was a pastor in Philadelphia for, for many years, even up to his, up to his death. Um, and uh, my brother is a pastor now. My sister serves at a church in Alabama, but we grew up in the church. And we grew up having seen, having heard uh, pretty much everything there is to see and hear growing up in church. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, we also experienced, as I got older, what being in a cult is like. And <laughs> I don't recommend that <laughs> to, uh, to anyone. Um, for anyone there and basically um, churches religious organizations have used higher power and the um, attraction of what a close relationship to that higher power can bring and what it can do for you um, but it all hinged on how you treated the person uh, how you treated the messenger that pastor, that bishop, whatever it was, and um, a lot of times uh, that ends up pretty badly. In our case, um, we left a church that someone got beaten up in our apartment. There was blood on the walls and all kinds of stuff. But leading up to that, uh, people would get cursed out from the pulpit. Um, all kinds of crazy things that um, 
my, I'd rather not go into because these people are actually close to my heart now. Um, I have since, my wife and I have since forgiven them and, and we're in close relationship with them. And, um, but at the time, it was very bad and it was, uh, it was uh, a very sore subject uh, at, at one point. But because of that, we, uh, we kind of left the church for a while. After we left that church, we left the church for about three years after that. And um, we didn't trust any leadership, uh, any pastors. We thought that they would all try to manipulate us in the same way we had been manipulated. Um, so we were like, screw this. We're not <laughs> no. going back to church again, ever. Um, and then a, uh, about a year and a half after being out, my wife and I both kind of were like, you know what? Let's at least find out if some, if any of what was being told to us was true. So we started checking scripture, and and sure enough, it was all it was all lies used to get us to do something for this particular um, for the leadership at this church. It had nothing to do with our personal relationship with Christ, and so. That was around the time that um, the Holy Spirit actually started moving us into going back to church. And so we actually started going to a Catholic church, kind of ease our way back in, so to speak. <laughs> um, and I actually liked it. I was like, okay, they don't care whether or not they see me next week. They don't care whether or not they even see me today. They're just kind of happy that we're here and... Um, uh, I get to do my standing, kneeling, sitting, and then I get to go home. Um, but I knew that um, the Lord was calling us to uh, something more. So uh, he actually led us to the church that we actually just moved here from for years ago. And God used that place to heal us from every hurt we ever had from the church. And also helped us to just get into not only scripture more, but actually start thinking about what it is we're being taught and going back and studying. Um, that was around the time that I knew this as well. Man, I feel like I have this, I couldn't put words on it until I moved here, but I was like, man, why don't people know this? How come more people don't know this? Why is this not common knowledge? And it wasn't until I got here that I realized, a friend of mine actually put it into words. She's on one of the first episodes of um, the other podcast that um, I'm currently hosting, which is Northwest Worship Collective. Her name is Jenny Stavali. She said, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am called to the body of Christ. And when she said that, it became clear. I knew that my calling was to help people understand more about who God is and who it is he wants them to be. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. Because people, if they're anything like me, have been lied to. Mm -hmm. They've been sold a bill of goods that is, they're appropriating things that they shouldn't be appropriating, expecting a result that they're never going to get. Yeah. And, um, and they're turning away from God. And they're turning away, from, they're not necessarily turning away from God as much as they're turning away from church, but they... Um, I just read a statistic. People still, by the Barna Group, people still love Jesus, 
they just don't want to serve him based on what they were taught about him. Yeah. You know, they just, they don't love the church. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So, and, and you know, I, I, that's another thing, like, as we jump into this, like, I want to be clear because, you know, listening to us and I know sometimes in our conversations as we, as we, I know guys, we're going to be challenging some status quo. like, I don't want it to get twisted into this, like, we're we're angry at the church. Not at all. Or we hate the church. Not like, at all. It's the exact opposite. That's why we're so passionate about this. Is we love the church. Yeah. We love all of our brothers and sisters, and we want to see the church become everything it's called to be. Right. The 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 Bible says that Jesus is waiting for a, a bride without spot mm-hmm. or wrinkle. And uh, you know, my personal Jesse theology is that. That is, that's, that's the thing that's delaying Jesus from coming back. <laughs> and so, like, the motivation to see the church become all that it's called to be, to become a bride without yeah. spot or wrinkle. That's what's driving um, this. Yeah is, yeah, is the driving force behind it. But, you know, another thing that, you know, I was talking with uh, someone recently about was exactly what you were saying, Tommy. Like, once you have that experience, and I know many of us have had that experience in church, maybe... We didn't even recognize it happened, but once that veil is taken off of your eyes, once once you are confronted with the undeniable, uh, either you know mis misinformation, misteaching, yeah. manipulation, yeah. power play, whatever it is from leadership in the church, I honestly believe that is if you have a strong community and you have a strong foundation of faith, um, it actually makes you a better disciple of Christ. Mm-hmm. Because now, instead of simply taking a person's word, you're going to dive into the scripture yourself. You're going to test everything. Yeah. Which, which is exactly what the Bible says. Is the Bereans did that. Yeah, they the, called them the wise, wisest. Yeah, to test this. and to see. Like, you know, prophecy, the gifts of the Spirit. Like, they're all supposed to be tested and proven. Like, and, and so that really, I mean, that's what happened to us. That's what happens to a lot of people. But the conversation I was having was... This realization that in a lot of ways the Protestant church, right, has really reformed the very thing that it was trying to run away from yeah. in the Catholic church, yeah. which is this deification of the priesthood and this this deification of, of pastors. Mm-hmm. And, and we as pastors, unfortunately, have played into that too much because by maintaining ourselves as the authorities on faith Mm -hmm. and as the ones who can hear from God and as the ones who are are fit to make decisions for the church. Hold on. Are y'all ready to hear what he's about to say? (laughs) We we have created a system that protects our position in the church. And I think most of the time that is for the sake of of money. It's for the sake of that paycheck. It's for the sake of the tithe. Yes, sir. Because the average church is 75 to 100 people and is probably struggling to keep its doors open every single month. And so, unfortunately, like we'll get into this topic another time, y'all. The power of people tithing is uh, pastors have created a system to protect themselves so they can continue to do what God's called them to do. Bro. Um, y'all don't want to hear this. Y'all don't want to hear this, though. But it, you com- don't hear this though. but it comes with some <laughs> twisting. But. Yeah. But there's a whole generation of people, especially, you know, this millennial and the, the following generations they are who have experienced a lot of, of what we experienced. Yeah. And so they've come to the realization, I can't necessarily simply trust my pastors and my leaders yeah. at face value. I need to test. But unfortunately, 
you know, especially this generation coming up after this. Now, one thing I didn't mention, y'all, is, you know, my wife and I are also youth pastors. Is that they don't have the spiritual foundation to be able to get past that storm. Yeah. And so when they're faced with that question and that that crumbling of a pillar in their life of faith, um, most of the time they're simply leaving the church. Yep. Instead of instead of becoming that Christian who actually studies things out for themselves and um, and, and learns and grows closer with God. Um, and they're also afraid to even ask the question. Yeah, they're because like you said, because sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes the the repercussions of that can be wide reaching. Yeah, you know, and we we've all experienced that, right? We, we've all experienced that that moment, you know, at our job when we really want to call out our boss or something that ain't right. But at the same time, we're like, I kind of need this paycheck. Right. I mean, it's it's the same thing. You know, playing out. Yeah, I'll just be quiet. It's the same thing that plays out in the church. The same thing that that again is a challenge for us to put this podcast out there. Yeah. We're like, we're going to be challenging this stuff. We're going to put, putting, putting ourselves at risk, you know, in some ways, if, if, you know, if people don't accept it. But, you know, like I said, I mean, we're, we're very thankful to serve with a pastor who um, thinks the same way we do. Yeah. And do you think how important, just, just to ask that question before we, before we sign off, how important do you think that is? I mean, I think it's huge. Um, I remember some years ago, my wife and I, we went to a local youth pastor's luncheon. And, you know, kind of inevitably, when you get a bunch of youth pastors together, there's a lot of grumbling about senior pastors. For sure. And so, the, you know, the, one of the speakers kind of, like, faced the elephant in the room and kind of asked the question, like, how many of you guys would say that you have a negative, challenging relationship with your senior pastors? And almost every hand in the room went up. And me and my wife are looking at each other, and we're like, we have a great relationship with us. <laughs> They're and, like, write a book, please. Yeah, and we'll get into this in another episode, but, you know, in terms of youth ministry, God's led my wife and I to do something very non-traditional and unique, and if we didn't have the support of our leadership, um, we never would have had a chance to do it. They, we, we would have been told to do it the same way, and, we, we, you know, we would have either had to conform or leave. And then again, you get into that circumstance of, like, I have to pay my bills, right? And I don't want to go back to working, you know, a regular job because God's called me to ministry. So then, most of the time, what happens is people with these hearts for for God end up having to conform to tradition right. and the mindsets of those who came before them. And um, sometimes that can be healthy, and sometimes that can be unhealthy. So it's it's huge to have a pastor and to have leaders around you and mentors who think the way you do. And understand that, that there's more to us to search God. That we yeah. don't know everything. We'll never know everything. So to say that, oh, we've, we've come to the final truth of God. And we can just rest on church tradition and how things have always been done. Is to imagine that we have fully conceived God. Yeah. And that, we, and that, that we no longer need to study scripture because there's no more revelation there. And it's like, we all, we all understand that those statements are false. And yet we don't recognize that that's kind of how we live our, mm-hmm. our faith life, though. Mm-hmm. Is those kind of those kind of statements ring true in how we approach our faith and how we approach uh, church and, and we let and, God. and we let people continue. We let our leadership continue to talk like that. Make those statements, those very statements that that you just mm-hmm. said. 
which puts those that are on staff at churches in those positions of, well, I need this job, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything. My wife has told me many times, hey, I'm not going to rock the boat. I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> That'll be our alternative t- uh, title for this podcast. Rock, rock the boat. The boat. <laughs> Yo, man, so any final thoughts before we, before we wrap up? Because I'm pretty much, I'm almost done. Your wife is going to really love. I'm looking this sharp. Haircut. Yeah, you guys get conversation just as long as it takes time to cut. <laughs> this one might have been a little bit longer. A, a tiny I, bit longer. Yeah. I missed my. I was, this was three weeks of growth instead of two weeks. But um, no, nah, I'm just. I'm really. I'm excited, and I hope you guys are excited to kind of go on this journey with us. Of again, asking those questions, and and I, I really honestly believe the more people I talk to the more I realize like these questions and thoughts and ideas and struggles are I think really core to many of us Mm -hmm. whether we recognize it or not so I think as we go through this I don't want you guys to be scared by oh we're going to challenge the status quo and like or these guys subversive or like I feel like that as you guys tune in every week or heretics or they're trying to (laughs) yeah trying to break up the church no we're not trying to do any of that stuff yeah I think you guys are going to realize Oh yeah, these are questions that I've had too. Like these mm-hmm. are situations. I these are these are passages of scripture I haven't understood either. Like, and it, it's funny because uh, so when we when we joined the, this Free Methodist Church, um, you know, there it was an older congregation. You know, uh, some struggles there in terms of being set in their ways, and uh, it came to our second Christmas there, and me and my wife were like, we just can't put out all of these like red and gold. Uh, decorations and and the red apples on the Christmas tree and the the weird little creepy angel dolls on the top of like so we like we got rid of all the old decorations we got some new stuff we, you know just golden white and it was clean uh-huh. and it was nice and it was I mean it just looked beautiful simplistic but but gorgeous and we were kind of bracing for the 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 backlash the clap back. yeah the backlash from from the people anticipating that they'd be like, you know, where's all this traditional stuff that we've always had? And yet the exact opposite was what happened. We had all these, like, old ladies in the church coming up to us, like, whispering in our ears, oh, thank you. <laughs> and and I, I tell that story a lot because to me it's a very, it's a very simple, like, non-important, but it illustrates this idea that I think a lot of us, there's a feeling inside of us that there's something that's supposed to be different. Right. But we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. We can't put our finger on it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as, as soon as we see it, we're like, ah, that's it. Yep. And, and our, yep. I think my goal, I think our goal is that this podcast, these episodes are going to be that. Yeah. Like maybe you didn't know what the question was. Maybe you didn't know what the struggle was. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't realize what the thing is that's kind of been sapping your uh, passion for the church or or for God or whatever. Um, and yet you're going to hear this thought or hear you know an idea in an episode and it's going to be like, ah, that's what it was. Yeah. Thank you. And then we're going to hopefully bring all of us to a biblical understanding of truth that's going to empower us to live faith at a different level. And be, be, be bold in asking the questions. Um, send us the emails. Ask the questions. Talk about it with your friends. Don't sit there quietly wanting to argue because we are supposed to, as Paul said, reason together. That's all we're doing. We're reasoning um, we're getting closer to finding out, like we said earlier, more about who God is and more about who it is he wants us to be. And um, 
I'm excited to go on this journey with you, bro. And do we need to send up an email? I didn't even think about uh, that. We we'll probably need to. Okay, so uh, we'll have an email address yeah. for you guys next week. What are we gonna talk about next week? Don't send us hate mail, right? What are we gonna talk about next week? You know, I think I think next week uh, this has been a conversation that's been spurred with me recently mm-hmm. in our Bible studies and stuff, and I think it's really important. Again, foundation before we get to the details. Yeah. I think next week we're gonna talk about the nature of God mm. and and how we've been taught some things that maybe are not. Um, truthful understandings about God right. that are really, really important for how we view our faith in the world mm-hmm. and how he works in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of those is going to have like to love do, and justice and things like that. Well, I think, I think the one thing is going to be the most key um, is we're going to talk about whether or not God has controlled everything. Ha <laughs> That's a good one. I love it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And we're going to break it down, y'all. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, y'all. Until... Next time, we'll see you. I'm going to get about this shit. And that's it. Episode one is in the books. Next episode, we're going to tackle the question, is God really in control? We hope to see you again on the Faith Chair. Hey, thanks for listening. Can't wait to have you back next week.